0: Welcome to Theories of the Third
1: Kind.
2: Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron and I am one of your hosts today. There's another host that is joining me, Daniel Sun. Hello. Before we start today's episode, I just want to say real quick that if you would like to support the show, then there's a few ways that you could do that.
0: One of the ways is Patreon. Each week, we release a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up, it's only $5 a month, which is only $0.16 a day. Not only do you get an extra episode per week for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog of past Patreon episodes.
2: In total, we have over 131 extra Patreon episodes which is a lot of extra hours for your listening pleasure. So to see this full list of Patreon episodes, you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and you can click on the Patreon tab, which takes you straight to our Patreon page, which there is a list of our entire Patreon-exclusive episodes that we have previously published.
0: Also, today we added another Patreon-exclusive episode, which is a Theories Thursday exclusive which we go over a house in 1987 that started to bleed from the walls. Bleed? Bleed. As well as a strange and mysterious death that the local police and even the DEA
2: tried covering up. So on Patreon, we have also talked about the Clinton body count. Uh, We did an episode over Mike Markham, who was a guy who vanished after inventing a time machine. We did an episode over Monkeypox, Lambda, which is the Google AI nuclear disasters, chemtrails, the food shortage crisis, the GATE program, Antarctica, the bio labs. We have done a lot of great episodes that are there on Patreon that are exclusively for the Patreon listeners.
0: So you get access to all 131 Patreon exclusive episodes for just $5 a month.
2: Now, if you can't afford a Patreon membership, but you would like to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes or on Spotify. And that helps us out a lot.
0: However, don't feel pressure to leave us one. If you don't want to, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoots, sasquatches, chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are to enjoy the show.
2: Also, I just want to say real quick, we do have merch available. So you go to theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on the shop button, and there is all of our merch. If you want to snag a t-shirt, coffee mug, stickers, whatever, you know, there you go. And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is over BlackRock. So how this episode will go today is that we'll talk a little bit about what is BlackRock as well as the history of its creation. And then we dive deep into some strange facts and findings that we have uncovered while doing our research. So yeah, that's how today's episode will go. We'll get into all that stuff. So with all that being said, are you ready to get into today's episode, Dan?
0: I am ready.
2: All right, well, let's get into it.
0: It operates unregulated, and its name is unrecognizable by the majority of the population, which makes you think that maybe it is a small company. However, that is far from the truth. They are the reason why the
2: price of healthcare is so expensive the reason why prices of homes have skyrocketed, and the reason why banks got bailed out in the 2008 financial crisis.
0: There is not a company or even a region of the planet that this corporation does not touch or influence. Even the United States government comes to them for advice. If they were a
2: country, they would be the third richest country in the world. However, you have probably never heard of them before. This is the true Puppet Master.
0: This is BlackRock.
2: Alright, so before we dive deep into the juicy stuff about BlackRock, we first need to talk about what it is exactly, and a little bit about how it got started. And I know this may seem boring to some, Just please stick with us here, because all of this connects together, okay? So Dan, do you want to start that off for us?
0: So BlackRock is the world's largest asset management firm. Aaron, do you know what an asset management firm is?
2: I mean, I know the basics of financing, but this is like in the territory where things get super complicated with different terms. And part of me kind of thinks that they use these terms as a way to make them sound smarter, you know, to confuse the common people you know
0: using bigger words
2: (laughs) yeah like this is a asset management firm just be like hey man we manage money bitch is what we do anyway uh (laughs) so before this research i didn't know what it was however go ahead and give everyone a refresher as to what an asset management firm is dan
0: all right so an asset management firm basically manages funds aka money for different clients Now, these clients are individuals, corporations, banks, insurance companies, pension funds, foundations, and a lot more, you know, others. So they take the money and make well-timed investment decisions on behalf of their clients to grow their finances and portfolio.
2: Yeah, and if you didn't catch all that, it's okay. I'm going to break it down to even simpler terms. So let's say I was a billionaire. BlackRock would come to me and say, hey, you have a lot of money just sitting there in your bank. Why don't you give us control of it, and we can invest it into stocks, bonds, or even in real estate? And in turn, that will make you more money. So that's pretty much what BlackRock does in a nutshell. It takes money, invests it, and makes more money out of it for companies or people or whomever.
0: And I know what you might be wondering. If BlackRock just takes money from their clients, you know, aka corporations, billionaires, banks, etc., they invest it. Make their clients more money and then give it right back to them, then how the hell is BlackRock making money?
2: Well, BlackRock charges a fee on the assets managed, aka the money that they manage, okay? Now, this fee can range anywhere from 0.5% to 1% annually, which on the surface, it doesn't seem like a lot. I mean, half of a percent to a percent, not that much. However, if you manage a billion dollars, for an example, then you will earn around 5 to $10 million a year in just fees.
0: And they have multiple clients.
2: Oh, they have multiple, and they have a lot more than a
0: billion dollars. Ain't that right, Dan? That's right, because BlackRock doesn't manage billions of dollars. No. They manage trillions of dollars. Now, Aaron, how many trillions do you think BlackRock actually controls? One trillion? Maybe two? I say seven trillion. You'd be wrong. Okay. So as of January 2022, BlackRock controls $10 trillion in assets.
2: That is a lot of money.
0: That's a lot of cheese. And
2: I know $10 trillion is kind of hard to visualize. And I wanted to put that into perspective. Okay. So let me hit you with a little knowledge nugget. BlackRock controls more money than the GDP of every country in the world except the United States and China. So if BlackRock was a country, it would be the third richest country on earth. So yeah,
0: they have some moolah. I know what you may be wondering now. What does BlackRock do with this $10 trillion? Like, what are they invested in? Well, BlackRock is one of the top shareholders in all major United States banks including J.P. Morgan, Citigroup, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, and Wells Fargo.
2: And that's not it. BlackRock is one of the top shareholders of Apple, General Electric, General Motors, AT&T, Verizon, Google, ExxonMobil, and Chevron. They also hold large holdings in other various companies, such as Microsoft, Johnson & Johnson, Amazon, Facebook, Pfizer, Procter & Gamble, Intel, Coca-Cola, Walt Disney Company, Home Depot, McDonald's, Lockheed Martin, MasterCard, Starbucks, Boeing, and a lot more. So it's just not one or two, or ten or twenty, basically every single large company they own a part of.
0: Now, despite BlackRock having an enormous amount of wealth and ultimately influence and control, they remain unregulated. Which is one of the weird things that we found out whenever we researched them. But before we get into the juicy, strange facts and findings that we found while researching them, let's first talk about when it was created. So, Aaron, do you want to give us a little history lesson about them? All right. So for us
2: to learn about the history of BlackRock, we need to first talk about an individual named Larry Fink. Now, Larry was born in 1952 in Los Angeles, California. He had the typical family growing up. He got good grades. And he ended up going to college in 1974 at UCLA, where he earned a degree in political science and an MBA in real estate.
0: Then in 1976, shortly after getting his MBA, Larry started working at First Boston, which is an investment bank. There at First Boston, Larry was one of the first mortgage-backed security traders and eventually managed the firm's bond department. Now, Larry was pretty respected upon his peers because of how successful with money he was. However, that would quickly change.
2: So in 1986, after working at First Boston for 10 years, Larry got a little confident. He made a prediction about interest rates, and his prediction was incorrect. Because of this, his department lost over 100 million dollars. Oh shit! Now this was a turning point in Larry's life. This is when he decided to start his own company, where he would invest clients' money, but also incorporate a comprehensive risk management strategy so that those type of losses would never happen again.
0: So in 1988, Larry Fink, along with a handful of other traders, founded BlackRock, an asset management firm. Within five years, BlackRock managed more than $20 billion dollars. Then, six years later, in 1999, BlackRock went public and continued to dramatically grow and began acquiring other companies throughout the 2000s.
2: Oh, and they acquired a lot of companies. For an example, in 2006, BlackRock acquired Merrill Lynch Investment Management for $9.3 billion. Then in 2009, they acquired Barclays Global Investor for $13.5 billion. And then in 2019, they acquired Efront Alternative Investment Solutions for 1.3 billion. And those right there are just three examples. They acquired a lot more companies. I just wanted to list those three right there.
0: Billions. So right there, that gives you a little history of its creation, an example of how wealthy BlackRock is. Now, this is where we get into the juicy stuff. The strange facts and findings. So Aaron. Do us the honors. You want to start this off for us?
2: Absolutely. So our first strange fact and finding that we're going to talk about is why you haven't heard of BlackRock. And if you have, it's maybe been a little bit of a whispers here and there, you know, or maybe you came across an infographic on Facebook or Instagram or some social media thing that says, this is the reason why homes are so expensive is because of BlackRock. And you're like, okay, cool. I don't know who this company is. That's the only time I heard about them. So, just like we mentioned earlier, BlackRock is big. Why the hell haven't we heard of this company before? I mean, if you think about it, even large banks like J.P. Morgan and Chase, Wells Fargo, and even Citigroup, they often make the news, and they control way less money. So that makes you wonder, how the hell does BlackRock stay under the radar?
0: Well, it's simple, really. The reason you don't hear about BlackRock Is because they have massive investments in the major media companies that would have informed you of its existence. So there is another group that is like BlackRock, which is called Vanguard. Now BlackRock and Vanguard together own between ten and eighteen percent of CNN, CBS, Fox, Disney, Comcast, Gannett, and St. Clair Broadcast Group.
2: So these media companies that they own a lot of, they are international conglomerates with several major media outlets. Under them. For an example, Comcast owns Sky, NBC, CNBC, and MSNBC, while Disney owns ABC and the popular opinion poll site 538. Gannett owns over 250 newspapers, including USA Today. And the Sinclair Broadcasting Group? Well, they own 72%. Of local channels in the United States. Damn. Yeah.
0: Now, because BlackRock has such a giant share of investments into these companies, it not only allows BlackRock to stay out of the news, but it also allows them to control what gets into the news. And I know that might sound like a theory to some. I mean, owning a large portion of all the media companies doesn't allow you to control the news, right? Well, let's talk about the next strange fact and finding, and you decide for yourself.
2: So our next strange fact and finding is about how much influence BlackRock has. And before we get into this, I just want to say, if this is your first time listening to us, or maybe you just started listening to us here recently, there are two topics that we do not cover, religion and politics. However, if we do mention either one of those, we keep our personal opinions out of them. We just give you the facts, okay? And in this strange fact and finding right here, I just want you to be aware that we have no political affiliations. We are not Republican. We are not Democrat. We are for the power of the people.
0: Bigfoot 2024. That's
2: right. We're for Bigfoot 2024, baby. Yeah. So I just want to make that clear, okay? Everything that we're going to tell you is fact based. You can look it up, okay? All right. So when we started researching about how much influence BlackRock had, we decided to start pulling old news articles and various LinkedIn profiles. Me and Dan built a giant wall where we put people's faces up on it and we started attaching yarn to certain locations and it grew so big that it took up an entire room. And what we found out was pretty shocking. And that's saying something because, I mean, we've heard of some shit over the past few years and it's kind of hard to shock us now. Yeah. So get this. Back in 2008... When the financial crisis struck the United States, guess who the United States government turned to for advice? BlackRock. Specifically, its CEO, Larry Fink.
0: BlackRock ended up advising the United States government on its 2008 bailouts and purchases of other financial institutions to stop the financial crisis. Initially, that wasn't that bad. However, we did find out that during the 2008 financial crisis, Larry would not only give advice to the United States government, but also to the Federal Reserve. Specifically at that time, the president of the New York Federal Reserve, Timothy Geithner.
2: So what makes this interesting is that the president of the New York Federal Reserve, the Timothy guy, well, he ended up quitting his job at the Federal Reserve and ended up becoming the secretary of the United States Treasury. Now, you would think that Larry would not communicate with Timothy anymore since he worked as the Secretary of the U.S. Treasury, right? Well, that's wrong. So we ended up pulling some public records from 2009 to 2013. And this is when Timothy worked as the Secretary of the United States Treasury. Now, these public records, it had call lists and private meetings from the Treasury Secretary that he partook in.
0: From 2009 to 2013, Larry Fink held phone calls or private meetings with Timothy at least 104 times during the duration of his term. Even after Timothy left office and Jack Lew took over, Larry and Jack continued the relationship. Which, that right there kind of left a bad taste in our mouth. You have this guy who controls large amounts of money, he is chatting with the U.S. Treasury. In my opinion, it just seems like a formula for corruption. But that's just me, you know. I agree, it does. But anyway, we decided to continue looking into BlackRock and see if they still had influence in Washington. Well, yeah, they did. And it's even worse now. So you remember in
2: 2020, whenever that thing happened and it was spreading all over the world, we can't even say its name. Oh, that thing. Yeah. If we say its name, we automatically get tagged as misinformation. Our episode does. But anyway, everyone knows what I'm talking about when I say 2020. So when that was happening and it put the U.S. and pretty much the global economy into a mild recession. That's when the U.S. government and the Federal Reserve actually approached BlackRock and said, hey, we need help stabilizing the United States financial market. So how did the government want BlackRock to help? Well, the government asked BlackRock if they could use their software to access the financial data that they needed to help run some numbers to save the financial market. BlackRock was like,
0: uh, sure. Shortly after that, the Bank of Canada and the European Union also hired BlackRock for similar purposes and gained access to their software. But this information sharing also gave BlackRock access to the top-secret financial data that it could use for its own benefit. But... BlackRock made a statement and said that it would not share the data with itself. (laughs) Right.
2: (laughs) We're not going to share the data with ourselves. It's totally fine, ladies and gentlemen. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, it gets worse. So we started digging into past and present employees and their connections with Washington, D.C., and this is what we found.
0: So when Barack Obama was president... There was an individual named Michael Pyle who worked as the special assistant to the president for economic policies. Shortly after his term, Michael ended up taking a job at BlackRock as the global chief investment strategist. Michael worked for BlackRock until he was selected to be the chief economic advisor to the vice president, Kamala Harris. So, with Michael being the economic advisor, he is responsible for analyzing information on economic developments and providing policy recommendations to the vice president, Harris.
2: And he had previously worked for BlackRock, which initially we kind of thought maybe it was like a one-off thing, you know, but that's not the case. So the more we dug into it, the more information we found. For an example, a former BlackRock investment executive, Brian Deese, he was selected to lead Biden's National Economic Council, pretty much serving as Joe Biden's top advisor on economic matters. Also, the former chief of staff to BlackRock, Wally Adimo, was selected to serve as a top official of the Treasury Department. So he's the top official of the United States Treasury, and he was previously the former chief of staff to BlackRock.
0: And it isn't just the government hiring BlackRock employees. It's like they trade them. Yeah, it's super weird. So Thomas Donilon, who served as the national security advisor to Obama, is now chairman of the Asset Manager's Research at BlackRock. Also, side note, but Thomas's brother Mike was Joe Biden's chief strategist during his presidential campaign.
2: Another person BlackRock hired was Dahlia Blass. Now, Dahlia had previously worked for the Securities and Exchange Commissions as an official and ran the SEC's Investment Management Division, which if you don't know what the SEC is, Football. (laughs) It's not a college football. It is, I guess, college football conference. But that's not what we're talking about today. The SEC we're talking about today is a government agency that's primary purpose is to enforce the law against stock market manipulation. So it's like Dahlia went from the good side and joined the dark side. She went from overlooking and making sure that these companies aren't manipulating the stocks to joining BlackRock and saying, hey, this is how you can do it.
0: Another person similar to Dahlia was Corianne Stephenson. Corianne had previously worked at the Federal Reserve holding senior positions on bank supervision matters. In 2016, she was hired by BlackRock and joined their Financial Markets Advisory Unit.
2: Now, the last person that I wanted to mention real quick is Larry Fink, you know, the chairman and CEO of BlackRock. Well, did you know that he sits on the board of the Council on Foreign Relations and on the board of the World Economic Forum. So pretty much talk about influence. BlackRock definitely has it. But you know what? They don't have influence over us. F*** them. So there you go. That's how much influence they have. And it doesn't stop there because it just gets even more strange as we continued on this path of discovery. So, Dan, tell them this next thing we found out.
0: All right. So, our next strange fact and finding is about America's healthcare. So, if you live in the United States, then you know how much of a mess our healthcare is. Drug prices are rising, and everyone keeps blaming Big Pharma. That is, the large corporations making our drugs. I mean, yeah, I
2: used to blame Big Pharma. I
0: mean, I still do somewhat. Yeah,
2: me too. But ultimately, BlackRock is to blame. So, they have been buying up the majority shares in almost every pharmaceutical company you can think of. In fact the big three investors BlackRock, Vanguard and State Street, they own shares in the top three pharmaceutical companies in the United States Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson and Merck. And every year BlackRock receives billions of dollars from their pharmaceutical investments.
0: For example in 2000 Pharmaceutical companies paid out $30 billion to their shareholders. In 2018, they paid out $146 billion. Where is all that extra payout coming from? Us, the people. And we're all wondering why drug prices are going up.
2: Yeah. So essentially, the majority shareholders, which is BlackRock, tells these pharmaceutical companies that basically works for them, hey, we need to make money, and if you don't make us money, we're going to pull out our investment money, and your company's going to crumble. So that forces these pharmaceutical companies to raise prices so that BlackRock gets these giant payouts from them. And ultimately, we get stuck with higher drug prices because of it, all because BlackRock wants to make more money. Figures. Yep. And it doesn't stop there. So, Dan, I know we've talked about it before, and I know a lot of our listeners have mentioned it, the prices of homes in the past couple years and how they have skyrocketed. And that's what our next strange fact and finding is about. Homes. So I know some of you listeners have recently tried to purchase a home or have seen the price of homes skyrocket here recently. And you want to take a guess who's to blame? BlackRock. And as crazy as that sounds,
0: it's true. So last year, in 2021, BlackRock was exposed for buying multiple homes and, in many cases, entire neighborhoods then converting them into rentals. And BlackRock wasn't going after multifamily apartments that are built for rentals. Instead, it focused on single-family homes that are the property of choice for American homebuyers. The result that happened
2: is that houses, of course, skyrocketed and got way too expensive, causing families to rent instead of what they would originally done, purchase. But the bigger problem in all of this is that the sudden increase in home prices encourages investors to borrow money to build these family homes, which they would be unable to sell because, once again, they're too expensive, so they rent them out. This result is always, and I mean always, a housing bubble. And then what happens next? A recession. Damn. So, yeah, there you go. Housing, pharmaceutical costs, influence, they have it all. And they even have their hand in Ukraine. So, Dan, start that off for us.
0: All right. So, our next strange fact and finding is about BlackRock and Ukraine. So, get this a few weeks ago, the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, ended up releasing a statement. He stated that he had a video call with Larry Fink, who is the CEO of BlackRock.
2: The two discussed how BlackRock could provide pro bono advice to the Ukrainian government on setting up a reconstruction fund in support of the recovery of the Ukrainian economy. The fund would be arranged for both public and private investors to participate in reconstructing and rejuvenating the market economy in Ukraine.
0: The statement then said that Ukraine has to be an attractive country for investors and that the advice would be provided by BlackRock's financial market advisory team, which works with financial institutions, regulators, and governments to help Ukraine achieve that goal. Following this statement, many of Ukraine's public and private lenders, including BlackRock, agreed to freeze payments on tens of billions of dollars in debt that Ukraine
2: owed. Now, what makes this all sort of funny is that Larry ended up writing his annual letter to shareholders in which he stated that CEOs should be aware of their impact on society and push for peace. However, I want to say, Larry, he is a hypocrite. Because BlackRock is the largest investor in weapon manufacturers through its iShares U.S. Aerospace and Defense ETF. And to add a little bit more humor to this, there were some anti-war organizations who ended up holding a demonstration outside the annual BlackRock shareholders meeting in New York. So they were like, you can say that you're for peace, Larry, but your investments say otherwise. So there you go. That's Ukraine and how BlackRock has their hand in that. Damn. Now let's talk about another country. Now before we get into that, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Now let's talk about another country. Let's talk about China and their involvement with them.
0: So our next strange fact of finding is about China. So in August of 2021, BlackRock ended up going to China and raising over $1 billion from 111,000 Chinese investors. BlackRock ended up using those investors' money to set up its first mutual fund in China.
2: A few months later, in October of 2021, which was a year ago, a nonprofit group called Consumers Research, they ended up launching an ad campaign criticizing BlackRock's relationship with the Chinese government. Then, in December of 2021, it was reported that BlackRock was an investor in two companies that had been blacklisted by the U.S. government for human rights abuses.
0: Now, you would think after that announcement that BlackRock would stop investing into those companies after they were blacklisted for human rights abuse. However, they did not. They kept on pouring money into those companies.
2: Even after they were blacklisted, they kept pouring money into them. Which kind of makes you wonder, is there any oversight to this company at all? And it gets us into our next strange fact and finding. We started looking into regulations. So the United States law requires that the United States Treasury has to pay close attention to any bank That has over 50 billion dollars in assets. Now, BlackRock controls assets 200 times over that amount. But why doesn't the government pay any attention to it? Well, it's because BlackRock is an asset manager and not a bank. It's like a little term loophole.
0: That's some shit right there. Yeah.
2: Um, But it still doesn't really explain why the government hasn't expanded the law to include asset managers or even created a separate law for them altogether. But if you have that much money, you can buy off the politicians or hire the people who write the regulations just like they're doing. So they're not going to create, the government's not going to make laws for them. Damn. The government is them. Anyway. The government
0: is them. Boom. Hashtag.
2: (laughs) My God. All right. So, Dan, tell us about this last strange fact and finding we got.
0: Ooh, this one looks juicy. It is. So our last strange fact and finding is probably our favorite. Before we get into that, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Don't go nowhere. All right. Welcome back. So upon researching BlackRock, we found out that it was created with the support from its first financial backer, which was a private equity firm. This private equity firm was Blackstone, not BlackRock but Blackstone.
2: Yeah. So imagine Blackstone as Papa and Blackrock as a little baby. Stone is Papa. Rock is baby. Baby. Okay. So we decided to dig into Blackstone, which is the Papa, okay? And what we found out was extremely interesting, to say the least. So we ended up finding an article from Blackstone's website, a.k.a. the Papa, that was published on October 17th 2000. The article's subject line said, Blackstone Acquires Debt on World Trade Center 7.
0: The article states that the Blackstone Real Estate Advisors announced today that it has purchased from Teachers Insurance and Annuity Association, the participating mortgage secured by World Trade Center 7, a commercial office complex controlled by real estate developer Larry Silverstein.
2: Now, If you've listened to our episode over 9-11, The Twin Tower Attacks, you would know that Building 7 was one of the buildings that ended up collapsing that day. You would also know that Larry Silverstein had collected some major insurance money because of this.
0: So after we found that, we kept digging and we came across a Wall Street Journal article from 2002 that talked about Larry Silverstein and Blackstone rebuilding the World Trade Center 7 building. It said the following.
2: New York officials are touting the reconstruction of World Trade Center 7 as an example of the extraordinary cooperation between the public and private interests involved in a massive rebuilding process at ground zero. However, there are tensions between the developer Larry Silverstein and his primary creditor on the property,
0: Blackstone Group. The article then goes on to state that Larry had approved some modifications to the building of the properties and that Blackstone didn't get shown the modifications. When Blackstone was made aware of them, they told Larry that he couldn't do those modifications because it would lower the property value and that his collateral would no longer be good. Well, Larry told Blackstone, tough, you guys are going to deal with it.
2: Now, fast forward a little while later and Reuters released this article that said the following. The developer rebuilding the World Trade Center in New York, Larry Silverstein, told a federal appeals court on Wednesday that he is entitled to recoup billions of dollars from two airline companies, even though he has already collected $4 billion in insurance money from the
0: Twin Tower attacks. Lawyers for Larry Silverstein and his World Trade Center properties urged the second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New York to overturn a lower court ruling barring him from pursuing damages against the United Continental Holdings and American Airlines Group, Inc., whose planes crashed in to the World Trade Center's Twin Towers.
2: The airline said that the insurance money was more than enough to compensate Silverstein for the fair market value of the lease he had held on the property. Separately, Larry Silverstein's lawyers also argued his insurance should hand over $1.2 billion that they had won from the airlines and airport security companies. So that right there is the article, right Dan?
0: Yeah, that was the article and honestly that was very odd. It was almost like the article was a hit piece on Larry, which makes you wonder if all those memes and conspiracy images that you saw of Lucky Larry and How Larry collected so much money on the Twin Tower attacks, if they were all actually made by Blackstone as retaliation.
2: It makes you wonder, doesn't it? It does. Because Larry, it's not like he collected it and held on to it. He had to use it to rebuild all that stuff and pay his creditors and everything. And his creditor was Blackstone. So Larry said, hey, I'm doing these modifications. Blackstone was like, no, you're not. Larry was like, tough, I'm going to do them anyways, pissed off Blackstone. So then Larry tried to sue the airline companies, which the judge was like, "Nope, you got plenty enough money. And then after that, Reuters ended up writing an article bashing Larry, which it makes you wonder, have you seen those Lucky Larry memes?
0: I think I've seen one or two
2: way back. They are everywhere. All you have to do is go to Google and type in Lucky Larry meme. And literally, it's covering the entire thing. Meet Lucky Larry. This is Lucky Larry Silverstein, owner of the World Trade Center. Lucky Larry just happened to be absent from work because of a doctor's appointment. Larry was also fortunate enough to have recently taken out a $3.5 billion insurance policy only weeks before the attacks. He went on an attempt to claim the amount
0: twice. Yeah, he tried to claim that he should be paid double because there were two attacks. <laughs> and he, he won, supposedly.
2: Yeah, so he got paid $4 billion. But he said it wasn't enough, so he went after the uh, airlines and airport security companies. When I read that, it made me wonder if Blackstone had, like, a hit group that they called up and said, create these memes and spread them before memes were even created, like, before they were the hot thing. Create these infographs and spread as many as you can around. Yeah. So that right there is the last strange fact and finding of BlackRock. So now we're going to get into our personal thoughts and theories and kind of discuss a little bit more about them. So Dan I have a question I got to ask you. All right. Do you believe that they are just an innocent asset management company or do you believe that they try to weasel their way into certain things to get a competitive advantage for their company?
0: Oh I definitely believe the second part of that where they take advantage weasel their way in. I mean They've got their hands into so many different, not even just say companies, but countries as well, working with Canada, the EU, China. You can even see
2: uh, Zelensky and the whole Ukraine situation. They're already setting up with Ukraine for when they start rebuilding that, hey, we're going to fund that. So you're pretty much in debt to us. You know, your government is
0: pretty much. They're setting it up to where the whole planet will be indebted to them to where then they control pretty much everything, because money is power.
2: Absolutely, 100%. And they have their hands in the Federal Reserve, the Treasury, all over the government, all over the different countries. If you want to talk about the true Illuminati, who runs things in this world, who is the group behind the curtains, I would put my money on them. I mean, it's hard to fight facts. How can you not? Everything we listed was a fact. We did not go based off of emotions. It's everything that we talked about in Strange Facts and Findings were facts. Based off of that, it is hard not to say that they are the true people behind the curtains.
0: I mean, like you said, it's hard to fight the facts. It really is. I mean, everything points towards them. We all know that, well, I'm not going to say we all know, a a lot of people believe that there is somebody controlling everything from behind the scenes. This right here just leads to them. Honestly, I don't want to say it's just them. I want to say that there's probably somebody else, too. There's probably like a council. I bet there is. And BlackRock is just one of the members sitting at that council table. Because I know there are, there's other people out there with a lot of money. Yeah, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers. I guarantee you they're probably part of that council. They control how the world goes
2: and everything. I'm right there with you. Just like you said, money is power. And they've got a lot of it. That's true. So. I don't really know what else to talk about for thoughts and theories, man. I mean, there really isn't much. Oh, wait. I got a good theory. Oh, okay. Let's hear it. Larry is an AI program, and he's good at math. So (laughs) he's an AI program that is really good with money. And, uh, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. Okay, hold on. BlackRock is actually an AI program. That has created humans that look like humans, but of course they're AI. And they do all of these market trades and make enough money so that they can ultimately take control and control how the world goes. Or it's the true reptilians. The reptilians are doing it behind the scenes.
0: All right. Let me ask this Does BlackRock have a hand in Google? Yeah, they own a lot of Google. All right. So to bounce off your AI theory, what if that what you said is true? that, like, Larry's an AI and, you know, does all that shit. What if Lambda was their test? Like, how the government used, like, some of those UFO sightings to see how we would react? What if they had Google release information on Lambda to see how we would react to AI having emotion and all that such to see, like, how we would react to when they come out and say, like, we have these AIs controlling these companies for us?
2: You know... I did a little bit of searching while you were talking. Oh, you want to know the top 2 shareholders of
0: Google? BlackRock and Rockefeller.
2: Number 1 is Vanguard, 6.9%, number 2, BlackRock, 6.04%. When you look up all these major companies and how much they own, they are sitting at the table in every conversation that these companies make and every decision that these companies make. BlackRock is there to make sure that their investment is secure and they make as much money as they can. And you want to know who the top shareholder of Apple is? BlackRock, I'm assuming. BlackRock. They own 6.6% of Apple. 1.11 billion shares. Damn. It's crazy.
0: So for everyone owning an iPhone, look at it and be like, hi, BlackRock.
2: (laughs) Thanks a lot, BlackRock, Larry Fink. All right. Well, you have anything else you want to add to this episode today?
0: I I don't. I mean, it's just, this episode was a shocker. Like, it's like a web that starts at BlackRock, Vanguard, Blackstone, and just spreads out through all these companies. Pretty much anything that you're looking at, BlackRock probably had a hand in it. Investing in, you say.
2: And seeing how many of the people that previously worked for BlackRock and then go work for the government and then come back to BlackRock or vice versa, seeing how many of those people there are, you cannot say that BlackRock doesn't have political influence and all their media companies that they own, pharmaceuticals, everything. Yeah. It it all is absolutely crazy and kind of shocking, and I hope everybody is aware of it.
0: Well, if they listen to this episode, they are now.
2: Yeah. Anyways, well, that is the end of our BlackRock episode. I hope Dan's plane does not crash on his (sighs) flight back home because Dan is flying... To go visit his family and then flying back. Yeah, so if anything happens to us, everyone knows uh, it's uh, Black Rock, okay? That's right. There you go. All right, so now I guess we're going to transition to our on the scene. So if you are not familiar with what our on the scene is, it is where at the end of the episode each week, we play a recording that we have received. Now, these recordings are of individuals from all around the world. They go and take their phone and they interview individuals on the side of the road, themselves, family members, whomever. And they ask them about their personal thoughts and theories and opinions on current conspiracy happenings that are going on. Now, anyone can do this. You, yes, even you can do this. Just get your phone, go do the interview, or give us your opinion or theory, and then uh, email that audio file from your phone to our email address, which is Aaron at theoriesofthethirdkind.com or Dan at TheoriesOfTheThirdKind.com Make sure the audio is less than two minutes long, and uh, that the background is I mean, it doesn't have to be super quiet, but just make sure it's like No cranes, trucks, anything too loud. Jackhammers, stuff like that. Make sure it's listenable, okay? And no eating. No eating, yes, that's another rule that we enacted. Oh, also, another thing, please do not have music playing in the background. If you send us An on-the-scene and there's music in the background, we will be unable to play it because we will get hit with a copyright. So yeah, don't include music in your on-the-scenes. All right. so this week's on-the-scene is from Cherish, and we're going to play that right now.
1: Hey y'all, this is Cherish coming at you with an on-the-scene. I just learned about the UFO sightings that happened in Muskegon, Michigan and it made me think about my grandfather's experience that he reported with a ufo um back in i think the 70s um he lived near a lake here in south carolina and he saw an octagon shaped ufo come down and it had a blue flame coming from the bottom of it and multicolored lights all around the sides and lots and lots of windows on the sides and it came down over the lake and sucked up a bunch of water and then like zoomed off into the sky and in the lake Mo- in, in the Muskegon Michigan incident in 94 a couple of campers reported that one of these UFOs went down over Lake Michigan and sucked up a huge tower of water. So my theory is, what if these are either aliens that need a source of fresh water, so they're going and harvesting it from other um, planets, or what if it's time travelers from the future, coming back to get fresh water because somehow our water becomes contaminated in the future. You know, I've heard about how fresh water isn't gonna exist in the future because of salt water contamination. So yeah, that is my theory on UFOs. I think that they are after fresh water and that's all that at least some of them want. My bonus theory that I've been thinking about a lot lately is about deja vu. What if every time we have a moment of deja vu, we're actually tapping into an alternate version of ourselves in another timeline or parallel universe? Gives you a little food for thought. Well, love you guys. Bye.
2: All right, Cherish. Thank you so much for your on the scene.
0: Yes, thank you for that.
2: Uh, A little critique. Turn off your fan when you record next time. Was there a fan? There's a fan going on in the back. There was something going on in the back. <gasps> I can
0: Aaron's an audiophile. He freaking hears things that no other people will hear.
2: For an example, we were about to start recording this and I sat there and I said, "Something's off. I can hear something." And it was Dan's bathroom vent fan downstairs that was on and we are upstairs and I was able to hear it.
0: We have thin floors and ceilings.
2: So yeah. All right. So what do you think about that, Dan? Oh, UFO that sucks up water.
0: I mean, I, I don't know if they're coming for fresh water, but it makes me think that their UFO is probably powered by fresh water, considering that there was a the vehicle that was created using water only. The guy ended up getting killed or died.
2: We ended up doing an episode over that
0: on our Patreon. Yep, and the plans and all that stuff disappeared. But the, the friend of the guy has the vehicle, but he won't let no one see it. He has it in a safe place. Maybe that's why. That's like alien technology that the government didn't want people to know about the UFOs, and that's how they actually power their stuff.
2: Or maybe it's their cooling system. Maybe they, uh, they needed to say, hey, this UFO is overheating. We need to suck up some water and send it into our cooling systems.
0: Could be that. Or maybe they just wanted to take a nice freshwater bath. They've been traveling for many light years, and their asses are dirty.
2: But my thing is, she mentioned um, that it might be harvesting water, like it might be time travelers harvesting water. Yeah. But here's the issue that I have with that. If time travelers have the technology to travel back in time... Couldn't they prevent the water from being contaminated? Exactly. Preventing the water from being contaminated. Or, even better, they'll have the technology to travel their asses in space, collect some ice from, like, frozen meteor, go back and melt that shit.
0: So, what if they can't fix their timeline? Their timeline's screwed. When you travel in time, you're not actually just traveling just in time. You're traveling to another alternate timeline.
2: Dimension. So that's another why, dimension. Yeah,
0: that's why they're only collecting water to take back. Is the fact that if they change the, if they stop the contamination in that timeline, it wouldn't affect theirs. It wouldn't even fix theirs.
2: Okay, so they're not time travelers. They're dimension travelers.
0: Yeah, it's multiverse. Okay.
2: All right, I can see that. But I'd have to go with the UFO is not actually a ship, it's not actually like a physical ship. You know, we think of UFOs as like a car, right? You sit in it and you drive it. What if it's not that? What if these UFOs are actually some type of creatures that go into the atmosphere and live way up there, but have like a cloaking thing where they live in the clouds, and then every so often they're like, F it. They go down there and they suck up some water and they're like, "Eh, that's nasty, and they fly back up there.
0: I know what movie you watched.
2: Nope. That's exactly (laughs) like the movie Nope.
0: That was honestly a really good movie.
2: It was. I just didn't like the ending of it. The ending was a little weird. I think the ending they shouldn't, well, spoiler alert, I don't think they should have offed it. Just let the thing roam like a predator. How the hell is a balloon going to get rid of that? Come on now. I don't know. Anyway, majority of that movie was great though. Oh, it was. It was scary whenever that UFO would fly over and you would hear the people screaming. Oh my God, that's frightening.
0: And the fact that I get, I don't want to get too into it now. Like, if you haven't seen it, you got to watch it. I think it was pretty good.
2: Yeah, I I agree. It's a a great movie. Again, thank you, Cherish, for this week's On the Scene. We love you, and we're proud of you. Much love. All right, so now we're going to get into shout-outs and birthday shout-outs. All right, I'm going to start off with a few shout-outs, okay? Go for it. All right, so my first birthday shout-out goes to Jenny. My birthday is October 31st. Wouldn't mind if Dan gave me a very nice and sweet birthday shout out, por favor. Jenny, with a
0: Y. I just want to tell you, Jenny, happy birthday. I hope you have a wonderful birthday. Stay safe and you have so much fun.
2: Nice. All right. So the next birthday shout out goes to Cypress. So Ernie sent us an email and said, hey, can you give a birthday shout out to my girlfriend, Cypress? Her birthday is on October 30th. Thank you. Oh, and by the way, will you marry me, Cypress, is what Ernie said. No, nah, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. <laughs> he didn't say that. But hey, happy birthday, Cypress. I hope it's a good one. And I hope your parents named your middle name Hill. Okay. Oh, my goodness. But happy birthday. Happy
0: birthday, Cypress. Hope it's a good one.
2: All right. So the next birthday shout out that I have is to Nigel. Nigel said, hey. Been listening to you guys for about two months and I'm almost caught up. Love the show and I gave it five stars on Spotify. Nice. Nice. Nigel's birthday is October 30th. I was wondering if they could get a shout out Macho Man Randy Savage style. Oh, yeah. The cream will rise to the top, Nigel. Happy birthday, brother. I want you to know that the cream,
0: which is you, will rise to the top. Yeah. Happy birthday. Nice. Snap it to a Nigel.
2: All right, so the next birthday shout-out goes to Christian. She said, uh, you forgot my birthday two weeks in a row. It was on October 24th, and I turned 40 years old. And guess what? You forgot to send me stickers, too, that I requested from you a couple years ago. Well, guess what, Christian?
0: Wait a couple more years.
2: (laughs) Wait a couple more years. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, If you want stickers, send an email to support at theoriesofthethirdkind.com. Put in the subject line, sticker request, and make sure you put your address and we will send you some free stickers. But in regards to your birthday on October 24th, I hope it was a good one. Happy 40th. I love you, and I'm proud of you.
0: Yes, happy 40th birthday. hope it was a fun one. And you didn't party too hard. Or you did. That's up to you.
2: Nice. All right, I got a couple more shout-outs. This one says, Hey, can you please do a birthday shout-out to Damon? He introduced me to your show, and uh, even though he's just a baby compared to all of us co-workers, He puts up with our old people's shit and makes us just a little cooler. He's 21 on November 1st, and he listens to your show while he's at work, and he snorts when he laughs. If you could shout him out, maybe with some sexy song. I'd love to hear him snort at work. Best of love. Love your show, Sherry. Nice. You got to
0: make him snort, Dan. I'm going to sing my favorite sexy song from Blue Mountain State. Oh, okay. I want to lay you down. I'm going to give it to you in your neck.
2: thought you were going to say ass. (laughs) I'm going to give it to you in your ass, Damon. I never understood why he said I'm going to give it to you in your neck. A little sensual spot. A little nice kiss on the neck to you, Damon, from Dan. Feel his beard and his mustache just brush right up against your neck. All nice-like. And then all of a sudden you start sweating profusely. Ooh. Anyways, happy 21st birthday. Hope it's good. Don't drink too much.
0: Yeah, that was starting to get to like 50 shades of theories of their kind. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, so the next one. Uh, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Oh, hold on. Almost just passed out. I just opened this email. It says birthday shout out. It says, I'm not sure how much of an advance notice you need, but my birthday is December 31st. <laughs>
0: That, that is an advance notice. I definitely give you that. We will definitely have to mark that in the calendar. <laughs> hey,
2: Jason, please send us an email like the week of your birthday. <laughs> All right, Um, right. Let's see. I've got one more birthday shout out, and then I'm going to hand the reins over to you. All right. So the next birthday shout out that I got is to Candice Krishamar. I think that's how you pronounce your last name. I don't know. It looks very complicated. But... Their birthday was on October 16th, and they said uh, they could get a birthday shout-out. So, happy birthday. Sorry it's late. Happy birthday, Candace. Happy birthday. Nice. All right. So, that's all the birthday shout-outs I have. What do you got, Dan?
0: All right. I got a couple here. So, happy birthday to Devin, who turned 26 on October 19th.
2: Happy birthday.
0: Happy birthday, Devin. Then, to Cherishes, the one that did the on the scene, her daughter. Kiara. Kiara, I like that. I like that name. She turned 14 on October 21st. Heard that she's an amazing, beautiful, and sweet child, and that we are her favorite podcasters. Really? That's what it says. Nice. I like that. That's awesome. I like that as well.
2: Happy birthday, Kiara. Hey, wasn't there a crown on the game Diablo 2, like a Kiara? A Tiara. Tiara, no. It was like a Kiara. K. Hold on. K I A R A Diablo Two, Kira Kira's Guardian. Never mind. I was gonna make. I was gonna tell you, hey, Kira's Guardian boosts all your resistance. You know, pretty awesome. But that has nothing to do with your name. Anyways, Kiara, I hope you have a great birthday. I hope school's going for you good. I know how difficult it can be. I got a fifteen-year-old son, and you know what? Majority of high schoolers are fucking assholes. So they are. I mean, it's true. Actually, you know who's worse? Middle schoolers. They're starting to come into their own. Yeah, middle schoolers are horrible, man. But high schoolers, same way. And I just want you to know, high school doesn't really matter. I mean, it matters. You got to get good grades right. But when it comes down to things, you know how many people I talked to that I went to school with? None. I don't talk to any of them. I c- I, it's been 10 years, over 10 years since I've talked to any of them. Actually, I take that back. Some of them have messaged me, say, hey, I found your podcast. Like, eh. Yeah.
0: I only talked to pretty much one person that I've met in high school right now. like. But I met him all the way back in elementary school. So me and him have been friends for a long time.
2: Yeah. Anyways, I hope your birthday's good. I hope your day's good. Love you and proud of you.
0: Much love, Kiara. And happy birthday. The next birthday I have, happy birthday to Dylan Thomas. His birthday was November 2nd. And then happy birthday to Elijah Nimri. His was November 3rd. And Josh Shepard.
2: Elijah and
0: Josh. Oh. Are they a couple? No. They're okay. two different people. Okay. But their birthdays are both on November 3rd.
2: Ooh, happy birthday November 3rd. And
0: then, let's see. That would be the last because these other three can be due next week. Okay. That's all I have for birthday shoutouts.
2: All right. Well, do you have anything else you want to add to today's episode before we roll this out, Dan?
0: No. I'm good at. I know we probably didn't cover everything BlackRock's into, but I mean, if you find any more interesting stuff, don't hesitate to email us about it. I mean, I know there's probably a shit ton.
2: Oh, yeah, there definitely is. But just like Dan said, email us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to keep that communication line open. That's right. So, with that being said, I want to thank you all for joining us today. And again, thank you for your support. It means a lot to us. You are all amazing, every single one of you. So, Dan, You want to roll us out?
0: Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts.
2: Because you are not alone.
0: Oh, hello. I'm surprised that you are still listening.
1: Dan and Aaron will have the studio up soon. Be prepared. My queen, quit talking to those humans. Come back down to your cave. Oh, all right.